Welcome to this virtual service at Westchester Chapel. Thanks for listening to this message that comes directly from God's Word. To hear more, visit westchesterchapel.org and click on Media. Now grab your Bible as we dig into it together. So good morning, everybody. And I know it's January, but I know what's on your mind. You're thinking of fishing. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to I'm going to help you how to catch fish. Now, I grew up in Pennsylvania and we had streams and lakes and different things, but I was very better at catching fish in a stream. And I'm going to give you some pointers. First of all, you got to bring your fishing pole. And you can either bring a spinner which casts, so you have to like cast like with these spinners or with bait and float the bait into the position of the fish, or you can use a fly rod. Well, whether you use a a spinning pole or a fly rod, the key to catching fish is getting the bait to where the fish are and finding out where the fish are at. That's the key to fishing. And then presenting that bait in a very natural way to the fish. Like bait needs to like float right into the fish. And then the fish sees it and then grabs it. Or if you're using a fly rod, the key is to float the fly right over where the fish is is getting ready to eat and grab it. And it can't be like being drug like underwater. Sometimes the line gets ahead of the fly. You gotta have the fly floating natural, like it was like an insect had just falling on the stream. So that's kind of the key to fishing. And I'll give you a couple other pointers. Is like you gotta, when you're fishing, a lot of times you're in the stream and you gotta be careful of those slippery rocks. You know, sometimes you can fall. And I've done that several times. And uh, it gets a little cold, especially like in early spring, if you go a little with the fish and go swimming with them. But remember, watch out for those slippery rocks And then, like with snags and stuff, you always want to try to unsnag your line. These are some of the, I guess, frustrations of fishing. There's broken lines, and then there's times you lose fish, and then sometimes you kind of slip and end up in the water. So watch out for those things. But the key to fishing is knowing where the fish are and getting the bait to them. So we're going to transition into Jesus. Jesus was uh, by the Sea of Galilee and he's teaching and he sees a boat there and he thinks it's better to teach out of the boat and he asks the fishermen to use it. So he gets in the boat and they allow him to do that and we'll pick up in the the lesson today is in Luke chapter 5 and I'm going to read just the first three verses. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is like the Sea of Galilee, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So you see Jesus, instead of using the boat to go fishing, he was getting kind of crowded, you know, by this crowd, pushing them almost into the lake. And he sees the boats there and they're not occupied fishing. So he decides to use them 
to teach this crowd of people. Just to recap, fishing back in Jesus' day is different than, you know, us using the poles, using the, the fly rod or the, the spinner, spin caster. Uh, back then it was all boats and nets. And the fishermen uh, would take the boats on, you know, and in, in, in they were fishing in the lake. And the same thing, they had to find the fish. They had to find the fish at the right depth. Now, the Sea of Galilee is like, in some places, it's, I believe, almost 150 feet deep. So there's a lot of water in between. And uh, so the fishermen had to know when to throw the, the nets out and then how much to let it sink before they started pulling it in. Back then, they didn't have fish finders. Like today, if you fish in a lake, there's these fish finders. And then they can, you can see where the fish are. And, and you can see the depths and the size of them and different things. But fishing back then, it was, it was tough. But it had the same principle. Is you had, they had to find the fish and to, and to throw the nets at the right time. And they had the same issues of falling in, I'm sure. They, there were storms that would come up. There was rough weather. And I'm sure many of the fishermen had fallen over the boats. They had slipped or whatever. It was the same thing. So let's see what happens next. So Jesus, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. So Jesus, he's being a a good teacher. He had just used the fisherman's boat. He wants to kind of pay them back. So he goes to Simon, hey, you know, put out your, your boats and put down your nets and you'll catch something. Peter, or Simon, they're right near the shore. And, and uh, Jesus is telling them to put out into the deep. So maybe go out a little bit and then drop the nets. So Peter, you know, being a fisherman, he knew better. <laughs> you know, the spot that Jesus was saying probably wasn't any good. They hadn't caught anything. And one thing about being a fisherman is always memory. You know, that you remember where the fish were at certain times of the year, certain conditions. I remember once I was fishing in a stream, and, and for other reasons, I wasn't fishing. I was just walking through the water, and I saw a trout in this one area. And I remembered where it was. And like months later when I was fishing... I cast in that spot, and sure enough, I caught that one. So, you know, it's same with fishermen. You kind of always have to, you got to have a very good memory of when you caught things and when you didn't, and and, and different conditions, you know, the time of day, all those type of things. So basically, Jesus is asking Peter something that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Just as we heard in our praise question, when have you done some things that hasn't made any sense that the Lord's calling you to do? I remember when we were going to church in Connecticut, we had friends that were missionaries. And they were on, uh, I guess, sabbatical. And they were both uh, doctors. Romy, uh, which was the husband, he was studying at Yale. And I think he was taking you know, a course to help him, kind of world health, uh, community health course there. And the people at Yale really loved Romy. So when his time came to go into the mission field, him and his wife, they had twins. And then they got the call to go to Nepal. 
So the people at Yale, they were like, you know, no, you can just stay here. You know, we'll get you a position here. You, you can work here and stay. And they had family in the United States. And there was, they were, you know, the family was saying, no, stay here. You know, you're both doctors. You'll do well. You can serve the church here in the U.S. And Nepal, back at the time where they were asked to go, they had like one of the worst mortality rates for babies in the world. And here they were getting the call to go to Nepal with their two newborns, you know, where there wasn't the same facilities that there is in the U.S. to take care of, especially little kids. So it seemed crazy for them to go. And I'll still remember they they asked us to ship their stuff to them because they were going back. They were from the Philippines. They were going to go visit their families before they went to Nepal. So they left stuff back with us to ship to Nepal. And it was three blue barrels. There was like two big plastic 55-gallon drums, and those were for the twins. And then they had a half-size barrel, and that was just for Romy and Linda. That was their stuff. And that was all they were bringing to Nepal was three barrels. So it seemed crazy for them to do this. So let's see what Peter does with Jesus telling him to fish in an area where he knows he's not going to catch anything. In verse 5, And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing. So basically he said, Hey, they've been at it all night. It wasn't any good. They caught nothing. And fishermen, you kind of remember this. This is kind of what happens to fishermen. You can fish all the time, and there are some days you catch nothing. This kind of reminded me of Peter or or Simon fishing. He was a fisherman by trade. This is how he he provided for his family. And it was fishing, like what he was doing, was really hard work. I mean, the nets, they had to be tended to. The boat probably had to be fixed from time to time. And it, t- it took, like, great strength to pull in these nets. It was not an easy way to earn a living. And there was a lot of time you could put all the work in and do all the right things and end up with nothing. That was just the nature of his profession, especially in that time. It kind of reminds me back to the Garden of Eden after Adam and Eve disobeyed God God basically said that work is going to become hard. God basically said, you should not eat of it. Curses the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. So Jesus had given them a garden, provided all the the food. But after they, you know, they disobeyed him, he basically was saying that work is going to be tough. He says, by the sweat of your face... You shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and dust you shall return. So work was going to be tough. After Adam and Eve disobeyed God, instead of asking, allowing God to be their provider, they thought they knew better. They wanted to have their own wisdom. And God said, without me, it's going to be tough. And it's just, this, it's, it's like that in our world. You know, we have different things in fishing, 
but it's not easy to work. Some people, there's no jobs, you know, in the world. And they, they come to the U.S. for the opportunity to work. But like in our culture, thankfully, there there is pretty, the economic climate's good for jobs and we can find jobs. But us Americans, we, it's, it's not easy uh, providing and paying the bills and different things. They said work is, is, it's a lot of stress, especially, especially now in the culture of uh, the information age where, you know, you can be at home but, and still working. You can be anywhere and be pinged about an issue that you got to respond to. And it's causing just, people have done studies, but it's causing lots of stress, lack of sleep. You know, in our culture, you know, there's a mirage of, of health problems caused by the stress of work. It's like heart disease, high blood pressure, muscular issues, muscle strains, poor eating habits, anxiety and depression, weakens our immune systems, we get headaches, we get irritable and short-tempered from all the stress. You know, it's not easy to provide to, in, a, in our culture, in a many jobs. There's just a lot heaped on people uh, in, in, in our day. However, let's, let's take a look. Like Peter, when he responds to Jesus, he basically says that because you said that, I'll do it. He goes ahead and does what Jesus is telling him to do. Peter was obedient. And he, and he starts out by saying, Master, in the previous verse. He says, Master. So he's kind of like giving up control, even though he's the master fisherman and he knows where to fish because Jesus is asking him. Peter recognizes that Jesus has authority here and he's being obedient. And he says, because you said that, we'll do it. And then what happens? They catch. They catch so many fish that it blows their mind. It's so much fish when they drop their nets that they have to call in two boats to bring them in, and it fills both of them. It's just, it blows Peter's away. So what was the what was the result of being Peter being obedient and following Jesus's call to do that? They caught an enormous windfall. Probably, probably enough fish to provide for the family for months. It was food for the families, provision for the families, something that they couldn't believe. Even the fellow fishermen were astonished. Being a fisherman, when I read this, I've always wondered what this meant. What's the significance of this catch? And I know being a fisherman, you always remember the times where you caught something that just kind of blew you away. And like this big fish, or you had a great day where everything worked out. But I think the significance of this, Jesus not not only is paying, you know, Simon and his fellow fishermen back for using the boat, but he's teaching them something very, very important. He's teaching that working with Jesus and for Jesus 
is better than working by yourself. He's teaching something about work. It's going, it's, it's, it's taking us back. He's redeeming, you know, what happened in the garden where God basically separated from man. And then man, sin caused man's work on this earth to be very, very difficult. Jesus is now coming back and showing that he can be the provider if you rely upon him. And that Jesus will bless the work. Sometimes it's monetarily, but it's always for the kingdom. Like, just going, coming back to the story of our friends, they went to Nepal. They were obedient, just, just as Peter Simon was obedient. And they worked in Nepal as doctors. And, and they were working, I think, the only hospital in Kathmandu. And the hospital doesn't have the same provisions as the U.S. And they, they were working, I remember they told one story about working on a woman. And she needed blood, a certain type of blood, and they didn't have it. Because she had internal bleeding, I think they had stopped it, but she really needed this transfusion to save her life and to be better. And they didn't have it. So they got to the point, they remedied the issue, but they still needed this extra blood. So they didn't have the resources. So you know what they did? They just prayed. They turned to God and prayed that the woman would be healed and her and her body would be recovered. And she was. And when the woman came out of it and didn't have any complications from having the lack of blood, they testified to her that it wasn't their care that saved them, but Jesus. So when we follow the master and ask Jesus to be part of our work, he gives the resources at times when we don't have the resources. He gives us the strength where we don't have the strength. He gives some, sometimes the wisdom, just as Pastor Linda talked about at Time, Inc., of allowing you know that cover to go out to be used. He can redeem work when we invite him in every day. So let's see how Peter reacted to you know, this amazing cash. He says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so were also James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. So Peter, he was definitely astonished. But immediately, he acknowledged his sinfulness. You know, this lavish gift that Jesus just gave to Simon and partners, James and John. He just wasn't worthy. He was sinful. And he could, he could see that, he was in, that Jesus was holy and he was master. This is, this is like the same reaction that Adam and Eve had when they sinned in the garden. You know, they hid from God because they were afraid. So Peter wants to separate from God, you know, because he is sin. But this is what Jesus says, said to Simon. Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything 
and followed him. See, in the garden, you know, God separated from Adam and Eve, you know, because Adam and Eve sin entered in and he couldn't stay with them anymore because he can't he can't reside with sin. But here Jesus is calling Peter to come to him. He's coming back and he's redeeming the original his creation. And he gives him a gift. And it's a foreshadowing of, of the gift that he's going to give on the cross. This astonished a mile of fish that were caught in the future. It's, it's, it's a future of what he shows that he's going to be willing to die on the cross. So this bountiful harvest can come. And Jesus is showing, you know, a way to have a relationship with him. He's not going to be separated anymore. He came, Emmanuel, to be with us. And he wants Simon to catch men in the future with this message. Not with his net, but with this gospel message. That Jesus died for your sins. And he wants to have a relationship with you. See, our work can be redeemed when we invite Christ in. When we have a relationship with Christ. When we have a relationship with Christ, our goal should not be about our work goals. At, at times, I know we're in the U.S. And, and we get fixated on the goals and accomplishing you know, the things at work. And at times we do have to complete them and do them well. But our motivation should always be to serve Christ in doing that. Serve, serve Christ in how we go about it. Serve Christ in our relationship with our coworkers. Serve Christ in our relationship with our customers. Serve Christ in our, in our contractors that are doing the work. Because our goal isn't about accomplishing the work goal. I mean, it's important to do that. But the goal is to really draw people to Christ so that they could be joined with him and find salvation you know, for their souls. Catching people for Christ, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's not as easy as fish. Sometimes you can see them. Like fish, you just got to find. People, they're there. We see them. Sometimes we just have to know when. And always be there. There'll be good and bad times. There'll be times where they, these people will, will turn against us and make fun of you. But there are certain times where they will, they will come back and know that you're different. And your difference isn't, isn't you, it's Christ in you. See, working with God, he's with us. He's not separated anymore. So that should make work easier. Let's pray. So Lord, uh, we pray for this year, let us work for you in all things. I know we have jobs and we have a paycheck from our, you know, the companies we work for or the people we work for. But let our motivation be about serving you in all aspects of our life and especially work. So I pray this for my brothers and sisters that this year that they will see this better, 
to see people that need you and to pray for them, to love on them, to be kind to them, and to and to sometimes bear some of the burdens that come for them, just as Christ bore ours. So, Lord, give us the strength, and I know you do, because you are with us. And give us the joy of seeing when they come and turn to you and repent of their sins and be redeemed. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to close with a, uh, a story about Charles Finney. I don't know if you know him, but he was born in Connecticut in 1792. He was one of the greatest evangelists in this country and started a great awakening, the second great awakening in this country. He grew up in a family that were not Christians. Even though that he was descended from the Puritans, they did not go to church. Early in his life, they moved to western New York, which was the frontier at the time. He uh, There wasn't many uh, educational opportunities, but he was a very uh, bright person. And at one point, he started to study law, and he was going to become a lawyer because he definitely had a very good mind and, and could retain a lot of information. But during that process, he, he found Christ. And after his conversion, he said he lost all fondness to the study of law and any, any other secular, secular business. And his whole desire was to preach, preach the gospel and to win men to Christ. Nothing else seemed of consequence. And over the course of his time, they said in 1857, like in one year, there was over 100,000 people that were led to Christ directly or indirectly from his preaching. And the other interesting stat, they, they researched it, but they said 85% of the people that were converted by Charles remained true to God over their lifetime, which is an amazing stat because he had a very good way of saying things that people would remember and about about the Lord. One one thing, he did a revival in in, in Rochester, New York. And one pastor, I'm, I'll just quote, said the whole community was stirred. Religion was was a topic of the conversation in the house, in the shop, in the office, and on the street. The only theater in the city was converted to a livery stable, the only circus into a soap and candle factory, comedy shops were closed, the Sabbaths were honored, the sanctuaries were thronged with happy worshipers, a new impulse was given to every philanthropic enterprise, the fountains of benevolence were opened, and men lived to the good. So go and catch men for Christ, and women for Christ too. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Give the hope of resurrection in Jesus Christ to everybody so that they may be renewed in his spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening. After hearing the message today, if you'd like to start a relationship with Jesus or rededicate your life to him, why not do it now? Pray with me right where you are. Lord Jesus, 
I turn from going my own way, and I choose to follow you. Forgive me for my sins. I thank you for dying on the cross to cover them and rising again from the dead. I choose now to live for you, and I receive your life into mine. Amen. If you prayed with us, get in touch through our contact page at westchesterchapel.org. There you can find more information on how to grow in your faith and where we meet. We'd love to have you join us.